Hello, and welcome to Order Within, navigating a world of endless chaos and crisis. Many of us are experiencing inner turmoil, insecurity, anxiety, fears, and isolation. These feelings are only being amplified by news cycles, social media, and never-ending political madness. How do we find our way out of the chaos? How do we find strength within ourselves? How do we find meaning in a world driven by materialism? These questions and many more I aim to answer on the show. My goal is to be a trusted guide on your journey to selfhood. May you find what you seek. Hello and welcome everyone. I'm your host, Brandon Ward, back with another episode of Order Within. Episode number 62. Today, we are going to be discussing the concept of the big lie. Now, this is a, an older concept. It's been around for almost 100 years now. It was originally introduced in Adolf Hitler's Mein Camp work. So it's the book that he wrote, and ultimately the concept of the big lie is used to manipulate populations and societies and cultures. So we're going to talk a lot about that concept, how it expands in our society, historical aspects of how this has happened, and then looking at the modern world on what we're, we're going to be covering we want to talk about the psychological components of the big lie, understanding the big lie, how to counter the big lie, and ultimately empowering individual agency to overcome these big lies. So the big lie was first used by Adolf Hitler in his 1925 book, Mein Kampf, where he accused Jews of telling... So, a lie so colossal that no one would believe anyone could have the impudent, impudence, impudence to distort the truth so infamously. It's, the irony is that Hitler was accusing the Jewish people of creating these big lies. But the reality is that he was actually using the big lies and accusing the Jewish people as a tactic that would become a significant part of his own regime's propaganda machine. So this is pretty standard projection in authoritarian regimes, tyrann tyrannical regimes, anyone that's really trying to be a tyrannical leader in small levels or large levels, they often project their own sins, if you will, onto their opponents or enemies. A prime example of that. So we're going to dive into what that is, the, the psychological aspects of it. But first I want to look at how, I think there's a, so there's actually quite a few situations where, and I'm going to talk a few about them historically as well, but the, this is used, the big lie is used to manipulate individuals and communities. And the psychological components of it and understanding what it is really, it's important. But first, let's look at some historical and contemporary contexts. So for a big one that we've obviously talked about is the Nazi era was the portrayal of the Jews as the source of Germany's economic and social problems. So anti-Semitic propaganda repeated frequently and vehemently 
led to widespread acceptance of this lie, paving the way for the Holocaust. So we're going to get into some of the components of this, but first I'm setting the stage with examples. The Nazi party was very good at repeating these massive lies over and over and over again as a way to bias the German people. So they were blaming all the economical and social struggles on the Jewish people. That was one component that the Nazi party did. They blamed the Jewish people for the social and economic problems at the time. They repeated that vehemently. Another big lie that the Nazi party shared was that the Aryan race's supposed superiority, a falsehood that served as the core tenet of Nazi ideology, the repeated propagation of this lie allowed the Nazi regime to justify its aggressive expansionist policies and horrific war crimes in the name of racial purity and supremacy. So when you have anyone claiming superiority, not even just race, but it could be ideology, it could be religion, it could be philosophy, whatever it is, when people are claiming superiority over others, that they are the cream of the crop, and that they're using that lie to justify violence and destruction and terror against other people, that is a core tenet of the deception. You are not, it's not acceptable morally to go out and destroy entire peoples. If you're claiming superiority and you're using that lie to justify violence and tyranny in the world, you are in fact the tyrants. And there's not a lot of, there's a, so these are historical aspects of that. When you start to learn about this stuff, though, you see it happening in our modern times as well. So that was Nazi Germany. This is a couple of big lies. Another one, though, that's more modern was the Iraq's weapons of mass destruction lie that led up to the Iraq war in 2003. The U.S. government and several other Western governments claim that Saddam Hussein possessed weapons of mass destruction that, possessed, that posed an immediate threat. Despite the lack of evidence, this narrative was used to justify the invasion of Iraq. It was later found, it was later found that Iraq had not had a functional weapons of mass destruction program for years prior to the invasion. So it was just an excuse. It was another excuse. It was repeated by the media. And this is another thing. Governments need media. And they need to control information, and they need to set the tone for the story that they're trying to share and spin. This is a prime example of that. The media all bought in on it. They had the, and I think this actually might have been, there was the component of, in the 90s for the Gulf War, where they were again going against Saddam Hussein, talking about, how they were throwing babies out of the incubators. I'm pretty sure that was in the 90s, and there was a woman that was doing that in court. That was also a lie, because the government can't get us to buy into things without those emotional stories, that, that, those, those lies that they spread. And that's why these big lies are so powerful, because they blot out any kind of rationality, and they tap into our emotions. That's the because humans are emotional creatures. We re, we respond with our emotions. Our logic is a later developed component of our brains. So logic is the thing that we're still working on 
but we are absolutely emotionally driven creatures. And so that emotional component to those stories are crucial. So when there's suffering, when there's anger, when there's hurt, leaders and tyrants, authoritarians tap into that emotional power that was used in the Iraq war. And another one going back is the Soviet denial of the Holdemir. And the Holdemir was a man-made famine in Soviet Ukraine from 1932 to 1933 that killed millions of Ukrainians. It is wildly understood to have been a result of Soviet policies, but the Soviet government denied its existence both domestically and internationally. Even today, Russia does not recognize the Holdemir as a genocide perpetuated by the Soviet government despite its recognition as such by Ukraine and many other countries. And there's, you, you have the Archleg Gulag Archipelago. I'm, I'm saying that wrong. But the Gulags where they were throwing in the most productive farmers based on lies that they were telling about the wealth that they had and the, how they were taking from other people of the community and all of those things. And the reality was is that the most wealthiest farmers happened to be the most productive. So when you jailed and killed those people out based on the lies, the wealth-driven lies that were told about them, you now destroyed your most productive farmers, and then famine sets in. That was all man-made, all built around lies and deception of those of the working class versus the wealthy. And at the time, the farmers were the wealthy people because they were being productive. These are the lies that we can be told that roots into us that can cause horrific things in our in in modern societies in past societies we have to learn from these things because the same thing is happening now if you can't challenge things if you can't ask questions about something that's a huge red flag there's there is problems connected to that if we're not allowed to ask questions about certain things then we are in trouble a few modern time components of that is I use ChatGPT to plan out a lot of my episodes and organize information. It's a very powerful tool. I love AI. I think it's an incredible thing, but there's also a lot of dangers to it, and I know that. A prime example is how biased it already is. And I was going through looking for examples of modern time of the big lie, and the examples that it gave me were climate change, saying anyone that debates or disputes climate change is not correct, and that there's consensus data that climate change is there, that it's man-made, that man-made is the only acceptable root cause. It's not even the fact that you can discuss climate change. Climate change is obviously happening. There's, the data is there. The root cause for why it's happening is the, the room for debate. But when I asked ChatGPT about that, it was clear that it was man-made, and the data was there, and the consensus was there of the scientific experts. That's what it's saying. That's the same narrative that these large media corporations and governments are telling us. When you can't challenge a narrative, when you can't ask questions about a narrative that's being pushed, you can bet your bottom dollar that's most likely a propagandist lie, another big lie. COVID-19 is another example of that. This was something that it brought up that said any dissent from that, from the accepted narrative, brought harsh consequences around the world during the pandemic. And it still is happening. You're still seeing these things now. There is so much data now. Pfizer released its own data about 
over 1.5 million injuries from the vaccine that are not being covered in the media, that's not being shared at all, but that's not being considered at any of this. But if you challenge the narrative that those weren't effective, that masks weren't effective, that all the things that we were told during COVID, which have come out to be untrue, if you challenge those things, though, that is unquestionable. You cannot do that because this data is consensus. It's there. It's prime. So already we have modern day big lies that we're being told. If you can't question things, if you can't ask questions, if you can't challenge narratives, if you can't consider alternative information, it's most certainly dealing with some sort of propaganda or information that's being manipulated to keep us in a state of confusion and fear. These lies exploit psychological vulnerabilities, and they rely on repetition and amplification to deceive and manipulate. So repeating, repetition is a, co a core component of this. We've talked about a few examples of how some of these things can be used. So repetition is critical of that. Repeating a lie often enough can make it seem more truthful. So if, if there are authoritarian figures, if there are government organizations, if there are media organizations, repeating the same thing over and over again, people will mistake that for truth, even though it may not be. This phenomenon is referred to as the illusory truth effect in psychology. Familiarity can often be mistaken for truth. So repetition is a key component of exploiting psychological vulnerabilities to get people to accept certain things. So repeating these things over and over is a critical component of it. Leveraging distrust and fear. In times of social unrest or fear, when economies may not be doing well, when there's mass events happening around the world, when people are scared, People are going to be more susceptible to big lies. They're looking for answers. They want to know what's happening. They're looking for clarity. That makes us vulnerable when we're in those states. Because the big lie can provide a simple explanation for complex problems and give people a sense of understanding and control. Fear and distrust can also be manipulated to direct blame towards others, fostering divisions that the big lie can exploit. And that's critical to the big lie as well. There has to always be an other out there. There has to be another group or party or identity or enemy. In Nazi Germany, it was the Jewish people. In Soviet Russia, it was the, the farmers and the working class, the wealthy people, the, the, the people that were had the money. In our times, you're seeing a lot of the similar things. There's a lot of this around successful people. There's a lot around this around educated people. There's a lot around this around people that view things more traditionally. There's a lot of targets. There's a lot of grouping people together, left and right, Republicans and Democrats. All this group other concept is how we build distrust and fear, and they leverage that. And then the other side of this is they look to leverage that problem-reaction-solution or the Hegelian dialectic. The, although the second term is a little misleading, what this refers to is order out of chaos. And, this, and the strategy involves three basic steps. You create a problem. So the authorities intentionally create a problem or crisis. This could involve anything from a terrorist attack to an economic collapse. The issue could be completely fabricated. It doesn't even have to be real. It could just be perceived. 
The next thing is the reaction. The authorities then publicize this problem extensively through the media, causing the public to react by demanding a solution, often involving a state of fear or outrage. So again, they want to prompt the reaction. If you think about an example of this could be, whether you believe this or not, would be 9-11. You have the, ma- uh, the weapons of mass destruction, that lie that was told, that justifies the lie. You have the act, the terrible event that happened of 9-11. Now everyone is in fear. You get the Patriot Act that comes out of that, and then you get the war in the Middle East. All of those are possible based on the reaction that came from those events and the amplification of it in the media and what we were being told was the root cause of that. Come to find out, that wasn't the case at all. There were no weapons of mass destruction. And it was just used, a justifiable lie to tell, to go in there and do the thing. And then finally, this is leading us into the solution stage. Finally, the authorities who originally created the problem present a solution that was planned long before the crisis occurred. Often this solution involves a loss of rights or liberties in exchange for a sense of security. And that's exactly what we had. COVID was the same thing. We have the problem, the virus. Don't ask questions where it came from. It's irrelevant if it was born in a lab. That's irrelevant. Don't you dare ask questions about it. But there's this terrifying deathly virus spreading rapidly around the world. Reaction now. Fear. People are in fear. Oh my God, save us. We need help. Lockdowns. That's the answer. You lose your rights. You can no longer do things that you once did in the name of safety and protection. This stuff happens all the time, y'all. It happens all the time. And it's right around us. And why does this happen? Because people in authority, they have motivations behind their lies. They desire to be in power and in control. They want to stay in power or they want to seize control. They want to silence their enemies. All these things are effective means to do that. But something else that ends up happening is that people have an authority bias. And so we tend to believe and obey figures of authority even if what they say contradicts empirical evidence. If the big lie comes from a respected or powerful figure, it is more likely to be accepted. And that also happens all the time. This is our governments. These are the government agencies. These are the talking heads that represent these agencies. These are the media figures in corporate media telling us all the lies. This is what we do because we we accept what they're saying because we view them as authorities and therefore we trust them even though we're denying, even though we're denying what we know to be true, we're Leaning into trusting an authoritative figure over our own instincts and intelligence. That's a huge slippery slope from that side of it. And that leads more into the psychological components of the big lie. And why this ends up happening. And the components of this. First is going to be the cognitive biases that we deal with. This makes us susceptible as individuals to believing and perpetuating these falsehoods. The first is confirmation bias. People have a tendency to seek, interpret, and remember information that confirms their pre-existing beliefs and ignore or discount information that contradicts these beliefs. Now, we're all susceptible to this. No one is free of this. Confirmation bias is very relevant and real. That's why we have to be mindful of it. A big lie that aligns with one's pre-existing worldview is more likely to be accepted as truth. That's why demagogues can come along 
and leverage the things, the fears, the drama, the pain, the emotions that people already experience and feel, and they leverage those things. So in Nazi Germany, the people were struggling. They were struggling. They weren't doing well. The economy was suffering. Hitler comes in with an answer. I know the problem. I've got the root calls here for you, and I've got a solution. That happens a lot. That's why our pre-existing worldviews can be leveraged, especially in a world that's driven by data now, because they have much deeper understanding of what that may be. On the, on, on the right side, something like this could be looked at as the QAnon stuff. If you're not familiar with that, it, it's a rabbit hole of a deal, but ultimately it was like the, it was the wet dream of many right-leaning people of what was happening. There was this supposed underlying story going on where there are good guys doing things in the government on the behalf of the people that we just don't know yet. And it was this whole thing going on Reddit. That's another thing that leans into someone's pre-existing worldviews and could leverage that in a way that would manipulate those people who believe those things. That is a common thing, how confirmation bias can be leveraged. The next side of that is cognitive dissonance. And this theory suggests that people find it uncomfortable to hold contradictory beliefs and therefore are motivated to reduce this inconsistency. If a big lie is repeated often enough by respected sources, some people might resolve the dissonance by accepting the lie, especially if they identify closely with the source of the lie. So again, that authoritarian bias, if they identify closely with those sources, they will be more likely to accept the lie and disregard the pieces within them that they know is inconsistent. So if there's counter, if there is information that they hold, beliefs that they hold that are inconsistent, they will disregard pieces of that to make the pain of their psychological state less. Because we, if you look at kids, lying is a terrible thing. We can't be dishonest. And as we get older, we get better at accepting lies. But it still hurts us. And so the way that we have to deal with that is we have to disregard pieces of that information and deny its existence, ignore it, push it away, so that we can live a more honest life, at least in our heads. We're not because we're just outright denying things. But we're doing that in a way that allows us to navigate it and move away from information that we're not comfortable with or doesn't align with parts of our beliefs. This is the component of cognitive dissonance. Just go on social media and you'll see it all the time. It's all around. There's a lot of cognitive dissonance happening in our society today. Another aspect of that, so that's more of the individual components, the cognitive bias and the cognitive, or confirmation bias and the cognitive dissonance. But then you also have the role of social influence, group identity, and emotional manipulation in reinforcing the big lie. Groupthink is a psychological phenomenon where people conform to the beliefs or behaviors of a group to achieve harmony and minimize conflict. If the big lie is widely accepted within a group, individuals may also accept it to maintain social cohesion. And in my mind, there's a lot of this happening. Again, group think. All these ideas where most, like a, a majority of people believe certain things in a group. And then those people rally around those ideas, whether they actually believe them or not, because the group is accepting them. And that just becomes a 
a growth component within a group because you're looking more to be secure and safe within your group. You're not going to challenge your group because when you get pushed out of the group, you're now alone, you're dangerous. Th these play into very primal components of our evolution as a species. So groupthink is a psychological safety because in reality, we are safer in groups, especially as we've evolved over time. We grew up in little tribes. So the last thing you want to be have done to you is rejected by the tribe, removed from the tribe. There's a lot of danger and a lot of pain and all those things. That, so if you do that, you're trying to avoid that. So groupthink makes us vulnerable and susceptible to accepting lies simply to be a part of the group, whether we believe them to be true or not. Gaslighting is another form of psychological manipulation where a person or group sows seeds of doubt in individuals or groups, making them question their own memory, perception, or sanity. Gaslighting on a societal level can contribute to the acceptance of a big lie. This happens a lot. The media does this stuff all the time. New information will come out. They never admit to what was wrong before. They roll out the new information, and then they act as if that's the way it's always been, and that they've never said the other things that actually counter the information that they're talking about now, and they just roll along like nothing happened. I, honestly, to me, a huge example of all this is COVID stuff. The masks, all that information flipped from, oh yeah, it's totally fine, you have a mask, it'll protect you, to, oh wait, actually they're not very effective of that at all, the particles are too small, unless you're using very specific types of masks, blah, blah, blah. All that information came out, but the media goes on and pretends like they never said the things before. The same thing with the vaccine efficacy. When the government, when these things were rolling out initially, the government and the media were saying that this is all 100% effective. You get the vaccine, you're not going to get sick. We know now that that's absolutely not true. There's tons of data that's showing this not to be the case. And in fact, the more vaccinated nations and states became, the more susceptible to the virus they became. This is all out there. This is not stuff that's just made up. But when you're, when media, when government figures, when authorities, they leverage this gaslighting component, they make you challenge and doubt yourself and your own memories and, and perceptions. Another very common tactic. Challenges is that it's getting harder now because all this stuff is recorded. You can go back and review clips. And thank God we can because this would be so much difficult without it. So much more difficult. But we can now. We can actually go and say, uh, actually, no. Six months ago, you said the exact opposite. And here's 20 clips of you and other news media organizations and representatives of the government saying the exact opposite of what you're saying now. And you're saying it like you never said this stuff before, which is also a lie. So it's just complete disregard and disrespect to information and the truth, which makes our job as individuals so much more challenging to do that. And that's where we move into countering the big lie and how we do that in our lives and societies. The key components are going to be critical thinking, fact-checking, and media literacy as essential skills to discern truth from falsehood. Having a healthy skepticism is crucial in the age of information overload. There's so much information. You have to be skeptical of everything. Be skeptical of everything and everyone. A healthy level of skepticism is good. Question it. Challenge it. Find out for yourself. That goes into the second thing. Verify as much information as you can. Do not blindly trust anyone. Never. Never. 
It's not a good practice. It makes us vulnerable and susceptible to manipulation. Verify information as much as you can. Go to the source. Find out for yourself. Because we have to be doubtful. This is the third piece here. Be doubtful of those seeking to control information. If people are afraid of you viewing information, if they don't want you to see certain pieces of information, if they're trying to control what you see or what you know or what you don't know and see, be skeptical of that person or those groups. Be very doubtful. Controlling information is often only done to manipulate people. If you're trying to show people the truth, you have no fear to show them what is actually happening. But that's not the case in so much of our world today. So be weary of people that are seeking to control information. Don't become over-reliant on a single source of information either. Look at varying sources of information. Look at varying viewpoints, left, right, middle. Look at all these different things. Challenge yourself to view the world in a more broad perspective. You will be much stronger and balanced and, and open if you take this approach. So don't become too overly reliant on a single source of information. Get your information from a wide variety of sources. And that includes moving outside of mainstream media. Look at independent media. You have to observe the things that they're doing. Go in the weeds on some of this stuff. Take time to learn and discover and explore for yourself. Internal strength is crucial to counter manipulation. I've talked a ton about on this show. That's ultimately the concept of order within. Finding strength within ourselves to live true to who we are is key to how we do this. So building a relationship, a loving, compassionate relationship with yourself, becoming connected and true to who you are, being more authentically aligned with who you are, is an excellent way to counter manipulation because you're trusting yourself. You're operating from within. You're, you're trusting your own mind, your own thoughts, your own emotions. Learn to build the relationship and strength within yourself. Trust yourself more than anyone else. Ultimately, that is what it is. Trust what you have been given and trust yourself more than anyone else. A last piece here on this side of it is on the is if someone has to use force to spread ideas or enforce certain rules, that's a red flag. Truthful information, good ideas do not require force to support them. Using force to have rules and laws is a huge red flag. So be mindful of that. If people need to get locked up with jail time or violence or punishment because they're not cooperating with certain things, that's most likely not a very good idea. And it's, should symbol, it should signal to us that that's not a good idea and that we need to be weary. We need to be skeptical of whatever it is that they're trying to enforce upon us. So again... COVID is a prime example. If this stuff was really valid and truly what it was, they could have just shown us these things and we would have been, it would have been obvious to us what it was and all of us would have done it. But that wasn't the case. Information was being manipulated, withheld. You couldn't question things. You couldn't challenge things. You were being mocked and ridiculed and targeted. Like this, that's not the process of discussion and open debate in a free and open society. It's not. Which leads us to understanding the importance of fostering empathy, open dialogue, and respectful engagement 
to bridge these ideological divides that combat so we can combat the spread of the big lie. Empathy is the root that makes discussion possible. Finding common ground in humanity. That's the thing for me is we are all humans. We are all born. We are all on this planet. We all bleed red. All of us are at the core of what we are the same in that sense. So there's unity in that. Finding that common ground in humanity can allow us to come together and empathize with one another and be more open to each other and loving and caring, which leads me to treating people with respect and honoring their God-given abilities. For me, the belief that I have that enables me to do this is that we are all brothers and sisters of life. We are all children of the same creator. Therefore, even if you are the most vile and, and evil and decrepit person on this planet, you are still a sister or brother of creation, and you have simply chosen the path that you have. You've taken the dark path, but that does not change the fact that you are still my brother or sister in that spiritual sense. It hurts me to see the things that people do in this planet, but that does not change the fact that that is the reality. So that's a belief that I hold that enables me to find connection with anyone, even the most vile people on the planet. Open debate and discussion are crucial to growth as a society. If we can't have open debate and discussion, then we are done. It's a slippery slope into authoritarianism at that point. So open debate, discussing, listening to one another actively, and challenging each other's eyes in, in respectful, meaningful ways are crucial. Only authoritarians fear debate or discussion because this has the potential to weaken their fear-based grip. If you are not trying to control through fear and anger and evilness, <laughs> darkness, whatever, you're not going to be afraid to debate. You're not going to be afraid to discuss ideas, to talk about information, to, to have questions asked. You're open to it because you know, what you're, you know what you hold is sure, is strong. You've done the research. You've put in the time. You've leveraged information. You've gone through the process to prove out what you're saying. So it's not, there's nothing to fear. Only authoritarians fear debate because it will weaken that perception of their total control on society, that they have all the answers, that they know everything, and that how dare you challenge them. If someone challenges you for challenging them, they are in the weaker position. That's just the reality. Because those with strong positions are not afraid to hold them. And that's where fear comes into play with manipulation. When we're kept in a state of fear, we are easier to manipulate. And so that's why living with compassion and empathy and strength and courage is so crucial. It's so crucial, y'all. And that leads me to this last part of the show, which is empowering individual agency. This is the single most important component in overcoming the big lie and combating the big lie. Individual agency is the most underrepresented and underrated power that we hold as individuals. The most underrepresented person in our society is the individual. Everything is being grouped together. And that's a classic authoritarian tenet is you lose your individuality and you become a part of the collective. There has been terrible things throughout history done in the name of the greater good. You're surrendering the individuals, you're turning them in away from actual identifiable characteristics of humans and individuals, and you're turning them into an amorphous blob of ideas and values. This enables people to disconnect from hurting individuals, which is what you do when you do this, 
and turning it into this high-level overview of a group, the collective. The collective good is the most common way to do terrible things in our world. So representing and honoring the individual and living from that, living from your individual agency, is the most powerful, rebellious act you can perform in our world today. And it has always been that case on the earth, because earth has never been free. We've been enslaved in some form or fashion throughout the entirety of our existence as humanity. That time is coming to an end. I hope. I believe it is. I believe that's why many of us are here. But we have a lot of work to do. But when we honor the individual and ourselves, all of us are honored. Because all of us live as the individual. All, every aspect, color, race, gender, sexuality, beliefs, are all exist within the individual. So when we make it about the individual and what the individual desires, and we honor the individual, we become free. We empower ourselves to honor one another because we're honoring ourselves and we're honoring the other. But that all starts within us. That's why honoring the individual in ourselves is crucial, honoring, understanding who we are, so that we can do that for others. And then the last component of that is that rights are innate. And they are not granted by our governments. They are innate within us. That's the power of the individual. The individual is because of the spark of existence that lives within each of us. The soul, the spirit, whatever you want to call it. That gives us our individual agency. And it's not granted by our governments or by any earthly authority. That is rightfully ours and can never be taken from us. That's why we are despised when we feel and believe these things by authoritarians in power. Because they know that we cannot be moved. We cannot be destroyed. Those ideas, no matter how much they may try, cannot be removed because they live within us. And that's the difference. Rights are innate. Our values are innate. They are not granted by any external authority. Remember that always. And please, please, the greatest thing you can do in this age is to be proactive truth seekers, question narratives, and engage in responsible information sharing. Get out there and challenge things. Be strong. Question things. Be skeptical. It is your duty, your right, to be questioning and skeptical of information and authority figures. There's nothing more American than that if you live in the United States. Is to question authority and challenge authority figures. It's the very foundation with which this country was born upon. Individual liberty and challenging authorities that try and over usurp the individual rights and power that we hold as God-given citizens. So question those narratives. Seek that truth ruthlessly. And inspire a commitment to integrity, honesty, and ethical conduct in your personal and public life. Be true through and through in everything that you do. Inspire to do that. Make your life worth living. Be honest and integrity-driven and ethical in everything that you do. Be true both in your private and public life. Align those two things as much as you can. Don't, think, don't say things dishonestly. Don't mislead yourself or others. Be honest and true in every aspect of your life. Don't pose on social media in ways that are not reflective of who you are. Be genuine and honest in everything that you do. Inspire to be that way. The world needs people like that more now than ever. 
Be excellent humans, y'all. All right, gang. We covered the urgency and emphasis of unmasking and countering the big lie. There are a lot of psychological components that go into this. Re repetitive nature, making the lie huge, having an identifiable other or enemy is critical to that, leveraging people's biases that they have, understanding the psychological vulnerabilities that they may be experiencing, the fears that they have within them and how demagogues leverage those things and manipulate that information to usurp power. If people are afraid of questions or challenges or, or going against anything, if, they're, if they are pushing back on questions in any form, that's a huge red flag. Questions and digging into information, exploring curiosity is always okay. Always. That's how we grow and evolve as a species. So when people are not doing that, when they're not allowing for that, you know that that's a huge red flag. And we have to be mindful of that. History will keep repeating itself until we learn to overcome these things. And that's why cultivating a vigilant and critical mindset, prioritizing the truth and integrity, and actively participating in the collective pursuit of a more informed and truthful society is the ultimate mission that you can live upon. And that is the mission that I call upon you to accept that mission and live that mission with honor and help us in this fight for truth in this fight for authenticity and reality and a, a more compassionate and loving society. So with that being said, y'all, that's all I got for today's episode. You can catch me on Twitter at Brandon Lee Ward. I'm on LinkedIn at Brandon L. Ward. And my website is BrandonLeeWard.com if you want to hit me up. But otherwise, I sure do appreciate your time. I hope you're enjoying the show. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. And until next time, y'all. Thank you for listening to Order Within. If you found the episode helpful, please consider sharing, rating, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next time, y'all.